0: If this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Paul Etfin, one of two pastors here at Submerged Church, and just uh, delighted to have you with us on this chilly morning. You know, I I noticed some fun (laughs) things this morning standing up here. It's uh, quite, quite a perspective, you know, all the things that I see happening. And while I'm playing a couple instruments or more and trying to remember the words of the song and having a conversation with myself and talking to God about this, and then I see other things going on, Like, okay, focus ball, you go. (laughs) I just have to share this, but I noticed, uh, I I looked out and I saw, I saw Julie with just a glow, glowing faces. She was singing the songs and and, and I was like, oh wow, I've never seen her look at me like that before. And then I, and then I realized she was actually looking at my son, Jesse. She had such a a beautiful animated expression. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's a nice, oh, yeah, she's looking at Jesse, okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that little guy, and then, and then another thing, yeah, this guy's just stealing, sh- you want to come preach, Jesse? He he is the speaker of the house, by the way, at our house, my, my goodness, but, but uh, and then the other thing I noticed with him, Haley was holding him, and and my little daughter Noel was was looking up, smiling, and I get, I could see Jesse like this, and I saw uh oh uh oh little slowly going down. Noel smiling, and then I saw it land on her, and she's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh oh, while we're singing, I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so just so you guys know, that's what I go through when I'm trying to lead you in worship. It's trying to block out because of that guy right there. Yeah, Yeah, uh, hear that growl. He's like, ah! Anyway, so just had to share that. But uh, today is a a very, very special Sunday. As you can see, uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. A a lot of other sources call it Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. But the fact of the matter is, uh, this is a very special day that we're going to talk about. And I I realize that Sanctity of life applies to all life, not just the pre-born, uh, you know, people from the moment we take our, you know, well, from the moment we're conceived all the way until we take our last, last breath, all life is valid. So I don't want to discount those who are in unique situations with illnesses or disabilities or, uh, elderly people that are getting towards the end. You know, it's, it's, it's awful what's happening in Canada right now, you know, allowing teens to be euthanized, uh. Uh, i don 't even know what to say about that, uh, so but uh, this morning 's focus will be mostly towards uh, abortion, but I just wanted to say out front you know that we we do value all life, um, I- including the the preborn so uh, today, as as Jim alluded to earlier, uh, does mark the fiftieth anniversary of a very dark day in United States history. Uh, when Roe v. Wade Roe v. Wade became the law of the land in a seven-to-two Supreme Court decision on January twenty-second, seventeen sorry, nineteen seventy-three. Some of you probably remember when that happened. Uh, I don't. It was ten years before I was born. But uh, um, obviously that has haunted this nation for the last 50 years until, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, uh, no, no vote was ever cast, many of you know this, no vote was ever cast in Congress to make abortion legal. Uh, since then, some estimate, estimate that over 65 million babies have died from surgical abortions. Now, this statistic does not include abortions caused by the abortion pill RU486. And of course, we know that now that only seven months ago on Friday, June 24th, 2022, the U.S. Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade, putting the issue of abortion back in the hands of the states where it belonged. And I think that deserves an applause. And we do need to celebrate that. Now, I know some of you are thinking here like, well, what's the big deal? It shouldn't have been a lot to begin with, et cetera. I, I, I totally agree with that. But We're making strides. We're we're gaining some ground. But even though Roe has been overturned, this battle is far from over. We know that. I know that personally. Just at the abortion mill, again, this last Wednesday, right across the river in Moorhead. And there were women going in to take the lives of their own children. This battle is far from over. So from attacks on pregnancy centers and pro-life churches to abortion pills now being approved at retail pharmacies like CVS and Walgreens, boycott them, by the way, I encourage you to do that, sign the petitions, Uh, Family Research Council Action has put out a petition, I think you can still sign that if you go to Family Research Council Action, they have a petition you can sign telling CVS and Walgreens to not carry these pills of death. Uh, There's still much work to be done. Uh, One way we can stand against the evil, this evil, is to come together and openly state that we support and defend the sanctity of human life. Can we say that? We support and defend the sanctity of human life. Amen. In 1984, President Ronald Reagan issued a presidential proclamation designating the third Sunday of January as National Sanctity of Human Life Day. So we are continuing that tradition by setting this date aside, January 22nd, 2023, the 50th anniversary, as a day to pray for the complete end of the tragedy of abortion in all states, to ask God's mercy on our country for this heinous sin, and to proclaim loudly that all lives are created in the image of God and should be treated as such. So today we need to declare... The sanctity of all human lives and stand together to protect the lives of each and every pre born baby. And God's going to call each of us to do that uh, in a different way. So let's just pray that the Lord speaks to us during this time. Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather together. I pray you'd give us attentive ears. Lord, I pray you'd give us open minds, give us soft hearts, help us to hear what you want us to hear, Lord. Pray that we would be encouraged after this time, that we'd be motivated to stand on your truth, to proclaim your truth, and to remember that you are the author of life. We praise you for that. It doesn't belong to anybody else, that right to take life away. It's it's only you, Lord. You're the one who decides who lives and who dies. You are God. We are not. We submit ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the message today, I don't think I even said that yet, is uh, the inalienable right to life. The Inalienable Right to Life is the title of today's message. If you have a bulletin, once again, I just left uh, some good spots for some notes, anything that really sticks out to you, and then we are going to have uh, a time of prayer uh, in, in conjunction with many other churches. I, I received some prayer requests from Fa- Family Policy Alliance, uh, Family Policy Foundation. Uh, we're going to pray, pray through some of those on, on this Sunday. Uh, the big idea today is that God gives life and life eternal. God Gives life and life eternal. Uh, could we get that slide up once of, of the scripture reading once again, real quickly, please? Job 33, 4 and 1 John 5:11. So God gives life. We see that in Job 33:4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. God is the one who gives us life, and even better, He gives us the opportunity to accept eternal life in 1 John 5:11. And this is the testimony that God gave us. Eternal life. And this life is in his son. Only in his son. John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. What's an inalienable right? An in in, in Try to say that 10 times fast. <laughs> inalienable right. Inalienable. <laughs> an inalienable right. Is a human right that is incapable of being alienated, surrendered, or transferred. So it can't be it can't be alienated from us. That's what inalienated means. Can't be taken away. Can't be surrendered, or transferred. Uh, signer of the Constitution, John Dickinson. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention. So. Some of you are thinking, well, pastor, in the Declaration of Independence, don't they say unalienable rights? And yes, they do. You're absolutely right. So, so un, and I, I had to look this up for myself. What's the difference between inalienable and unalienable? Lots of different commentaries. The best consistent explanation that I could find is that unalienable w- was used in older times. So it's just a little bit of an older word, but it's pretty much a synonym to in- inalienable. So so it's just a word that has been updated from unalienable to inalienable for the the most part. So so yes, you are right. The Declaration of Independence says unalienable, but in this day and age, inalienable is is more commonly used. So signer of the Constitution, John Dickinson, my wife's from Dickinson, uh, North Dakota, that is. He defined an inalienable right as a right which God gave to you and no inferior power has a right to take away. Inalienable rights are, and this is, from, this is from John Adams, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, our second president, of course. Uh, he says this about inalienable rights. They are antecedent to all earthly government, rights that cannot be repealed or restrained by human law, rights derived from the great legislator of the universe. That's what John Adams said. So what, what is the stance of submerge on abortion? Well, we have a booklet called The Core that was used by Great Commission Churches, which uh, uh, our affili- affiliation that dissolved a little over two years ago, though the values still hold true for us. So um, Core Value 7 Core Value Seven is, is raising godly families. Uh, uh, that's a core value that we have. And under Section 4, it reads, We believe that life is a gift from God that begins at conception and should be valued and protected at all stages of development and ability. So that's our official stance. <clears throat> I'm gonna share uh, with you uh, some information uh, largely found from the Founder's Bible. So, so this, I'm gonna talk about um, some of our founding fathers, their stance on abortion and the inalienable right to life. Uh, the Bible, as many of you know, is not silent on the issue of unborn children, making it clear that from the time of conception, human life is alive in the womb. In Psalm 139, 13 through 16, David eloquently expressed this truth, specifically thanking and praising God. Let's read that. Psalm 139, 13 through 16, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I know we've heard that passage before, but just dwell on that, how powerful that is. Many other verses affirm that life within the womb is created by God himself. We'll take a look at a couple. I'll give you a reference to a few others. Uh, Job 31, 15 says, did not he who made me in the womb make him and did not one fashion us in the womb? Uh, Another reference, this won't be on the screen, but Psalm 22, nine through 10 is another good reference for this. Uh, Here's another one on the screen, Isaiah 44, verse two. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Another good one is Isaiah 49.5. And then here's another one on the screen, Jeremiah, verse, sorry, Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. How powerful. Recently, there was a congresswoman that used this verse to defend the right of a woman to do what she wants with the... She, she, she read, before I... And she read this in front of every a, a Democratic congresswoman. Before I formed you... And then she read a translation that said the mother's womb. And I did look up, there are some translations that do say mother's womb. But before I formed you in the mother's womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And then she said, it doesn't say the government's womb. It doesn't say the church's womb. It says the mother's womb. So this gives the mother the right to do what she wants with that child. So she's using scripture... To push her point to protect the right of women to abort. I'm telling you, Christians, she is aggravating the God of the universe by doing this. And I hate to, oh my, when people take God's word and they twist it like that, better stand away from them. Uh, I was was shocked. Uh, Tony Perkins commented on this. Uh, in his radio program, The Washington Watch, that I was listening to. And uh, you can look it up for yourself. I, I think it was uh, on Wednesday or Thursday's uh, show let, last week. Actually, Thursday's show. and Yeah, just, uh, just appalling. Yeah, so I think they could only, yeah, because the, they were voting on whether to provide, you know, help medical attention to an abortion that failed. And I think it was only one Democrat or, or, or maybe like th- three that sided with them, something. It, it was a very small number. And then the other one, the other bill that the house was working on that passed to be looking into more protection for women's pregnancy centers, churches that are conservative. De- yeah, I think they only got like one Democrat to side on that. It's like, wow, we don't want to do anything about these churches and pregnancy centers that are being destroyed and vandalized. Uh, just uh, so we, we can see what the real agenda is. Anyway, better stop before I get too carried away. Luke 1 is another good verse. Uh, about how affirming that life begins in the womb, Luke 1.15. So many today think that abortion is a modern issue, but Ecclesiastes 1.9 reminds us that there is, quote, nothing new under the sun. And this is true with abortion. Brother Jim even mentioned that, uh, the Israelites sacrificing their children to Moloch. This is not new. As long as there have been pregnancies, there have been some who did not want to be pregnant and who wanted to dispose of the child before it was born. The Bible, therefore, addressed this issue, even establishing civil penalties for actions that caused an unborn child to be harmed or killed. And you can find that in Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 through 25, the penalties for a child that was, an unborn child that was harmed or killed, Exodus 21, 22 through 25. 1,500 years later, as the Western world was developing under the enlightened influence of Christianity and the Bible, abortion was still recognized. As a crime, for it represented taking the life of an innocent victim. And the shedding of innocent blood is resoundingly condemned throughout the Bible. number of verses on this as well. We don't have time to read them all, but I'll have a couple. Uh, Deuteronomy 19.10, shedding of innocent blood is condemned. 1 Samuel 19.5, uh, here's one, Psalm 94:20 20 through 21. Can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. Proverbs 6, 16 through 17. Man, how many times have I quoted this verse? Praying outside the local abortion mill. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Another good reference is Isaiah 59, 2 through 7. Abortion was so thoroughly repudiated that it became a crime under, uh, under the common law. Now, as a reminder, the the common law is recognized as the basis of law in civilized nations and was incorporated into the U.S. Constitution through the Seventh Amendment. Um, We're going to take a look at what a couple of these forefathers said about abortion here. Um, There we go. Yep. So from America's earliest beginnings, uh, abortion has always been wrong or seen as wrong. For example, from the first century and a half following the initial colonization, America was under British rule and its policy on abortion throughout that time was explained by British judge and legal writer, William Blackstone, a favorite authority of the founding fathers. Here's what he says. Life is the immediate gift of God, a right inherent by nature in every individual, and it begins in contemplation of law as soon as the infant is able to stir in the mother's womb. For if a woman is quick with child and by a potion or otherwise kills it in her womb, or if anyone beat her whereby the child dies in her body and she is delivered of a dead child, this was by the ancient law, homicide, or manslaughter. So that's William Blackstone said. After America separated from Great Britain, the founding fathers made a new government, but they preserved the previous position against abortion, a fact made clear by James Wilson. Next guy up there, a signer of both the Declaration and the Constitution, placed as an original justice on the U.S. Supreme Court by President George Washington. Wilson began America's first organized legal training in which he told law students, so here's a quote by James Wilson, with consistency, beautiful and undeviating human life from its commencement to its close is protected by the common law. In the contemplations of law, life begins when the infant is first able to stir in the womb. By the law, that life is protected. American law was clear. As soon as it was known that life in the womb, that, that life was protected, in that day, they knew there was life in the womb when, quote, the infant is first able to stir. That is when movement could be felt inside. But with today's technologies, it is possible to know with only days that there is life in the womb, from which point that unborn life was to be protected under the law. A historical position which was repudiated by the U.S. Supreme Court, as we know, in 1973, Roe v. Wade, 50 years ago to the day. Uh, The founders believed that the right to life was the first of the inalienable rights that God had given to every. Individual, You might have noticed that we've got them up here. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life is the first one listed. Okay, So when John Quincy Adams, next guy, was quite elderly, he reminded the rising generation. So here's a quote by John Quincy Adams. As the Declaration of Independence, sorry, ask the Declaration of Independence and that will tell you that its authors held for self-evident truth the right to life is the first of the unalienable rights of man, and to secure and not to destroy that right, governments are instituted among men. So according to our founding documents, a primary reason that government exists is to protect the inalienable right to life. Interestingly, America's position on protecting the life of a child during the time of the founders was quite different from that that was practiced in many other nations. Many of us probably don't know this, but some perhaps do. But across much of Europe, it was wrongly believed that parents gave life to their children. So under the law in those countries, parents had the right to take their child's life. But Americans knew. Some parents are sitting out here. Oh, man, how many times if I want to know? (laughs) I, I, I know it's a serious matter, but, you know. Parenting is challenging. There's times where you're like, let me teach you a thing or two, son. (laughs) But no, obviously awful to think that you could take the life of your own child. But Americans knew that the life of a child came not from parents, but rather from God. Parents, therefore, had no right to deprive an unborn child of his life. So as signer of the Declaration, John Witherspoon acknowledged, last guy up there, He said this, some nations have given parents the power of life and death over their children. In America, we have denied the power of life and death to parents. Because God himself gave the inalienable right to life, America's early law, early state laws were very clear on the issue of parents taking an unborn life, such as the law in Virginia that declared this, this was a law in Virginia. But if a woman with child, and any gives her a potion to destroy the child within her, this is murder. For it was not given her to cure her of a disease, but unlawfully to destroy the child within her. Abortion is not health care. You are not helping the health of the mother. You're not curing her of a disease. You're not removing a tumor that's a threat to her life. Abortion's not health care. One of the first things a local worker did here at the local abortion facility after Roe v. Wade was overturned is went out and got a tattoo on her arm that says abortion is healthcare. That's how defiant and brainwashed these people are. And they, they need to be led (laughs) to the Lord, uh, they, they think what they're doing is is right and just, and they're loving these women by, by doing this. And they think that we're the ones that are hating these women and judging them and trying to take away their rights. It's, it's, uh, but isn't that what Satan just loves, causing division and, and and getting people to think that they're on a righteous path when they're not? America must once again regain the unrighteousness unwavering biblical conviction that not only are we fearfully and wonderfully made by God himself who wove me in my mother's womb, Psalm 139, we read that, but also that the right to life is the first of the inalienable rights of man and that to secure and not to destroy that right, governments are instituted, as John Quincy Adams said. So we we must elect all of our civil leaders according to this standard. So that was uh, some information from the Founder's Bible once again. Uh, At this point, on the Sanctity of Life Sunday, we're going to have a little transition here, uh, I'd like to dedicate a special time to join with other churches across the nation in prayer for life and mothers. Uh, We need to celebrate God's protection of life and and pray for these present needs. Uh, You have them in your bulletin, uh, and I'm going to go through the first three. We'll pray through those, and then we'll go through the next ones. But uh, first first one here... um, 20 states now fully protect life in the womb. That's great. <laughs> Sadly, 12 states have little to no protections for unborn life at any stage of a pregnancy. The remaining states remain places of vulnerability for unborn life and mothers. Uh, so, so that prayer request, number one, is pray for the end of abortion in all states. We're gonna do that. Uh, prayer request number two, pray for the humanity and sanctity of unborn life to be recognized and valued. Jeremiah 1.5 states, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And this is the very verse that people are using to defend the right of a woman to kill their own child. Just completely twisting God's word. So so people need to recognize, wow, okay, this, this is a valuable unborn life. Each human life is precious in the eyes of God with unique DNA and characteristics. We know this. So we're, we're going to pray that each precious life is valued by the world. And then thirdly, pray that churches support and encourage women in crisis pregnancies. Uh, from throwing a mom a baby shower to supplying tangible needs, churches have an incredible opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus to women in the community who are struggling with an unexpected pregnancy, but uh, both before and after they give birth. Uh, so hosting, hosting foster care and adoption Orientations also provides families in the church a way to care for children seeking forever families uh, And that, that's something you know we're, we're a small church, but uh, if if people come aware of situations like this, un, unplanned pregnancy, and you want to do something about it, let let, let us know let's let's let, rally the troops and help help these moms so that they don't uh, start going down the path of the unthinkable. Of course, we know that's where part of it starts so uh, let, let's just go ahead and pray, pray through these three requests. Uh, together with me and then and then we'll look at the next two father we humbly come before you and lord we do pray that there would be an end of abortion in all states lord we thank you even in our state of north dakota for the two trigger laws that were supposed to go into effect last time i checked i think there's still a temporary injunction on that so lord we just pray that you would break through uh that the north dakota supreme court would be able to have a say i don't know if legislation needs to happen uh, lord we pray that you would uh work in uh, Judge Ramanick's heart and just show him uh, that he is blocking uh, legislation. He's not a lawmaker. Uh, uh, Maybe I'm speaking too boldly and out of place, but it it just, it doesn't seem right what's happening. So Father, we just pray uh, that uh, abortion would officially be illegal in North Dakota. Thank you that the facility has already moved. Um, Lord, but we we just pray you'd end abortion in all states. Lord, it's a travesty that in New York City, there's more black babies that are aborted than are born. Lord, bring an end to abortion in every state. Lord, we pray for the humanity and sanctity of unborn life to be recognized and valued. Lord, open people's eyes. You're killing an innocent human. Some people are so blind. Even using your own word to justify their stance. How disgusting. Oh, Lord, thank you that you're God and I'm not. You're so patient with people. Lord, I pray for that Congresswoman that she would repent uh, of, of misusing your word. And Father, we pray that churches would support and encourage women in crisis pregnancies. Lord, if, if we ever come across a woman in our congregation or someone that someone knows, Lord, I pray you'd use, use our church, submerged Church, just to be your hands and feet and just bless, bless that woman, love on them, do uh, everything we can to show support uh, before, during, after that pregnancy. Um, prepare us for that, Lord, that, that day uh, could be could be coming soon. So we just pray uh, that we we here at our church would be ready to serve women in crisis in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, next uh, next couple requests here. We'll wrap it up. Oh, that food is smelling good, isn't it? <laughs> All right, uh, next slide. Yeah. So there there are more than twenty seven hundred pregnancy centers in the states that serve women and their families by providing everything from basic necess- necessities to ultrasounds. That's awesome. 2,700. Okay. So the prayer request for this one, number four, pray for the safety of crisis pregnancy centers and other groups that serve women and other groups that serve women. So following the release of the, I alluded to this earlier, following to the release of the Dobbs decision, we witnessed attacks on hundreds of pregnancy centers and pro-life organizations. Absolutely outlandish. I've even been talking with, uh, with Nate Douglas, the director at the Perry Center. and <laughs> How are you guys doing? Are, are you guys preparing yourself for extremists to come to your pregnancy crisis center? And, and just encouraging them to be uh, wise and prudent in, in that regard. Uh, thankfully, the House of Representatives recently passed a resolution condemning this violence, even in spite uh, of the lack of uh, bipartisan support, uh, which is, in my opinion, pr- pretty embarrassing. Why would you not want to speak out against pregnancy centers getting destroyed that are trying to help women? Why would you not speak out against that? It really shows the heart of some uh, groups of people. So let us continue to support and pray for these facilities that care well for the women that walk in their doors. Submerged Church has partnered with the Perry Center. Here in town, there's lots of other great organizations. That's just kind of the one that naturally just, I kept running into Rachel Antone and Nate Douglas and met with them, and I've given a couple messages to the ladies at the Perry Center now. I know, uh, uh, I think it was back in October, there was a group that served a meal there, and I I know my wife, Haley, wants to, um, in all of her free time parenting five kids, uh, (laughs) organize another meal over there. So I I think that is in the making. If anyone wants to be a part of that, serving a meal uh, at the Perry Center. You can contact myself or Haley. Um, I'm going to be speaking there again, I think the first Monday in March. They, they have the uh, nights of Prayer. Just had one this last, last Tuesday. If you've never been to one of those, really encourage you to go. Uh, and and this, this last Tuesday, I was so busy, had so much on my plate. I'm like, man, I just don't know if I have time to go. And I was like, oh, I, I, I need to go. And, and sure enough, I show up, like every, every single time I show up, they've got somebody that's playing some nice worship music on the piano. And then you get to go to the different offices and rooms. You can write little notes to the staff people that you prayed for them. It's 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 really a really a special time. So I encourage uh, you to to do that if you haven't done it. L- lots of other great groups in town, Christian Adoption Services, Women's Care Center, et cetera. I, I know people from each of those. And Giving Hearts Day is coming up on February 9th, where a lot of gifts are doubled. And uh, that's usually when Bob and I work because uh, we, we invest in local charities as a church. When, so, so like the, the tide that we get, you know, we take 10% of that and then we, t- we tie that to other groups. And I think we'll, we'll talk, but, but last year we, we gave a, a good chunk of that to the Perry Center to, to support uh, what they do. So anyway, let's support these, let's support these groups. Uh, and then lastly, number five, uh, pray, pray that more leaders in government, churches, and business step up to defend life. We've got to have leaders that are stepping up. As we seek ways to protect life, let us pray for our leaders that they would have boldness to speak up for the life of the unborn and their mothers and creatively find ways to serve the most vulnerable among us. So let's go ahead and pray. uh, please pray with me through these requests. Oh Lord, we just want to lift up your protection over these... uh, Pre, uh, crisis pregnancy centers, uh, other groups, Lord, there's been pro-life churches that have been targeted. Lord, uh, we, we just pray for your protection over them. We pray you'd be a shield around them, Lord, these people that uh, already are dealing with very, very uh, draining situations, uh, lots of emotions, lots of uh, time being invested in these women, helping them from all, all different kinds of uh, awful uh, situations and trying to help heal them and give them hope and teach them and and then having to deal with their buildings being attacked and vandalized, Molotov cocktails being th- thrown through. Uh, my goodness, Lord. So we, we just pray that you would protect these places that are actually helping women. Lord, we pray your protection over local groups here in town, Lord. Uh, like Like I mentioned, yeah, the Perry Center, Christ, Christian Adoption Services, Women's Care Center, Uh, the Women's Pregnancy Center in Grand Forks, uh, just so so many uh, great agencies. Lord, we thank you for all these people. Jill Chandler, uh, Nate uh, Douglas, uh, Rachel Antone, uh, um, people that are helping serve Nikki at Christian Adoption Services. Lord, we we just pray you you use these uh, people that are (laughs) kind of putting their life on the line now uh, to to just just protect them. And Father, we pray that more leaders in government, churches, and business would step up to advance life. Lord, I, I can't imagine... Uh, being a pastor at a church and, and not speaking out against these things that are going on, Lord. Lord, uh, God, I pray you take away the fear of man and people would stand up for your truth and your morals that have been politicized and they would unpoliticize them and say, this is not a matter of politics. This is a matter of human life. This is, <laughs> as we talked about, this is just un- under the common law. It's obvious. This is a living being and we need to stand against this, Lord. We pray that for more leaders, even in our, our state legislature, Lord. We pray that all the pro-life uh, bills that come across that will be uh, in, in favor of pro-life, pro-family values that they would pass. Lord, we know some aren't written so well or whatever the case is, but Lord, we just, we just pray that, uh, that pro-life, pro-family values would advance uh, in this 2023 legislative session right here in North Dakota. Uh, so we and pray yeah, pray more businesses would, would be pro-life, Lord. Man, if I knew a, a business was pro-life, I'd give them my business. Uh, so we just pray there'd be more venues for that. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so as we have these verses up again, Job 33, 4 and 1 John 5:11, 11, uh, as we read earlier, uh, God, God is the one who gives us our inalienable right to life. He gives us the breath of life and only he has the right to take it away. No one and nothing else. More importantly, as we read in 1 John 5:11, God has given us an even greater gift. And that is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. If you have the breath of life in your lungs today, then you are blessed. If you have been marked with the seal of eternal life through accepting Jesus' payment for your sins on the cross, then you are eternally blessed. What a blessing. Yes, we need to celebrate the gift of life. But what a travesty for anyone to reject God's gift of eternal life through his son. If you haven't already done this, I I urge you, today is the day of salvation. Accept the free gift of salvation today. Eternal life today. I can look out and assume and presume, yeah, we've got a great group of conservative Christians probably gave their life to Jesus a long time ago. I don't know your heart like God knows your heart. And what a shame it would be for you to pass through and come here Sunday after Sunday and not have an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. So if you haven't done that, like I said, if you've got breath in your lungs, you've got life. Amen. Let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate life. But even more so, we need to celebrate eternal life. Because if you don't, if you die without Christ, you will be separated from him forever. And God is so kind and so loving. He really gives us what, what we want. You know, have you ever thought about that? You know, God, God, people think, how could such a loving God send somebody to hell? Well, guess what? People send themselves to hell. And someday people are going to stand before God like, Lord, Lord, why can't I come to your kingdom? And say, well, you didn't want to have anything to do with me in your temporal life. So you're not going to want to have any, you wouldn't even enjoy being with me in heaven for eternal life because you didn't want to have anything to do. So I'm going to give you what you want. And you're going to exist forever without me. Unfortunately, when we take God out of the picture, everything good also goes. Light, peace, peace. Things to grab onto. It talks about hell as a bottomless pit. When you take God out, <laughs> there's darkness, there's pain, there's gnashing of teeth. My my own, I got to be careful. I, this is recorded, but someone I love very dearly says, "Oh well, I'm just going to go party in hell with all my friends." And I, I t- <laughs> "No, you're not. You'll hear you'll hear a screaming. But you're not going to be partying." I, I I didn't mean to. Uh, <laughs> be a downer here, but my goodness, people, this is, a, this is a reality. People we know and love, if they died today without Jesus, they would, they would go to hell. That's what brought me to the Lord as a nine-year-old boy. I was afraid I was going to go to hell when I was nine. And Jesus saved me. So let's celebrate life and let's celebrate eternal life today. God gives life and life eternal. Thanks for your patience. Uh, and I'm going to pray for the meal that smells so delicious, so that right when we're done, we can just head right over and, and, and start eating. So, uh, Father, we, uh, after our last song, sorry. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Oh, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't miss a day without being thankful for breath in our lungs. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing across this nation. We, once again, we pray that life would be valued in all spheres of life, in churches, in government, in schools, uh, families at home, Lord. Lord, this nation has greatly sinned against you and there's so much work to be done. We just pray you'd continue to work your mighty hand, that you would build your kingdom, uh, that abortion would be abolished once and for all across this nation. And Lord, we just pray that we'd be faithful in serving you uh, as, as you direct us uh, in these days to come. Lord, thank you for all those who are standing up for life today across this nation and Lord, too, we, uh, we thank you for the food that we'll be eating. Thanks for uh, all the hands that have prepared it. Pray you strengthen our bodies with it. Uh, uh, nourish us, Lord. Give us good health. Bless our conversations. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.